Father, we want to thank you for your presence here today. We want to thank you that you said and promised that where two or three are gathered in your midst, there you are. When we gather in your name, you are here. This is not the Kiwanis Club or the Lions Club. This is your family. And you promise to do amazing things as we gather. Lord, I'm trusting you. We are trusting you to meet us here, to speak into our hearts, into our lives. We desperately need to hear your voice. So here we are, Lord. We lay everything down. We surrender to you and to your will. Have your way with us. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm sitting in the front row. I didn't know who all was behind me. Good to have you here this morning. This is the first time I have actually preached in this church, so I'm glad to be here. Michael, you preach in my church. Michael, boy, it's good to see you. I, I, I just counted a privilege to be here. You're probably wondering why I have uh, Pastor James' uh, little thing on. I was at his desk. I saw it. I put it on. So if, if I do really bad today, because I haven't preached in a long time, I just retired in, Je- in December, if I do really bad, I'm Pastor James. <laughs> but if I do really good, I'm Pastor Dick. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I do. That's silliness. Well, we can laugh, can't we? The joy of the Lord is our strength. And uh, that's what sets us apart uh, in many ways. The world seems to be happy, but we have joy. We have joy. Are you a Johnson? Oh, you look like your dad. Man, it's just like deja vu. That's what he used to look like when he was young. Is he here? Oh, he heard I was preaching. Or you heard Pastor James was preaching. <laughs> okay, I'm this. I've been praying. James asked me. Pastor James asked me to preach here a couple months ago, and I take this seriously. Preaching is powerful. Uh, preaching is kind of a, a dying art. There's a lot of TED talks out there. Do you know what I'm talking about? A lot of foo foo stuff. In fact, I've been um, I've been visiting churches. And some of the churches are known to be open Bible and all that. And literally, I have not needed to have a Bible anywhere I've gone. Any church. And I used to say at my church, if you don't hear the leaves turn, turn and leave. And we have people preaching. I'm going to get on a soapbox here just a little bit. We've got guys preaching and giving good biblical content and giving people good um, spiritual advice. And yet they're biblically illiterate. And so how are people going to be led astray? I can see how it's happening. I have not had to have a Bible one time in any church. Now, that used to not be. 
So in the next three weeks, I encourage you, bring your Bible. I could be telling you anything, and you wouldn't know whether I'm saying the truth or not. And so I encourage you, bring your Bibles. We are people of one book. In fact, Spurgeon once said, he said, um, uh, get acquainted with many books, uh, live in one book. And that's the Bible. Amen? Amen. So, let's be the church of the open Bible. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 11. For the next three weeks, I was praying, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to preach? What is on your heart? And Jesus, Jesus Christ died not only to save us, but to establish the church. And the church is the world's only hope. The church is the world's only hope. And yet, if you look at the church today, uh, especially in the West, it is struggling big time. And I think we need to get back to, like Lombardi would say, the basics. Let's get back to the basics. And so I want us to look at the church of Antioch, and we're going to run around this passage of scripture for three weeks. I've been known to preach a whole sermon on one word. So we're going to take all this time in this chapter 11, starting verse 19. Let's turn there. 11, Acts 11, 19. If you're there, say amen. amen. Let's stand at the reading of God's word. It's, it's the authority in our life. We build by the book. Say that with me. Build by the book. We, we are people that build our families, our lives by the book. So Acts chapter 11, starting verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen, Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. But some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks, also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the examples you give us here in your word of powerful churches. You give us examples of how to live. You give us strategies. We don't have to try to figure out what we're supposed to do. It's right here. And then, and then you give us your Holy Spirit, the power, the battery to be able to fulfill your call. Lord, everyone in this room is important to what you've called us to do. We don't age out. We don't retire out. We're all from youngest to oldest important in your, in your mission. So Lord, as we dig through the Antioch churches, we look at this church and begin to pull out what the things that they did. I pray God it, 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 it it gets into our hearts and we desire for not only our lives but our homes and our families and this church to be this kind of church. 
In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to sit as well. I'd, uh, in a couple weeks, I'm going to have hip surgery, so I don't stand too well for too long. But, so if you don't mind, I'll just sit here. Uh, how many of you have Disney Plus? Have you watched the Mysterious Benedict Society? How many have seen that? Oh, are my grand oh, you did. My grandkids turned me on to this. It's it's a story about four gifted orphans that have been chosen by this guy, this benefactor, Benedict, to to find out who is sending subliminal messages across the airwaves that is causing havoc all over the world. But listen, listen to how they start out every episode. Every episode. I, I, I think, I told Sheila when we first saw this, I thought, this guy, whoever wrote this, has got to be a believer. Or if he isn't a believer, he's definitely in God's hands because God is speaking through this. Listen to this. This is how it starts out, the promo and every, every episode. It says, we suffer under something called the emergency. A rapidly escalating state of panic where truth itself is under attack. Does this not sound real? Then he goes on to say, I'm convinced this emergency is a fiction created by one person. The liar. I'm sitting there going, this is, this is all about exposing the devil and his lies. And so he, he gets these kids because children are innocent and we're supposed to accept the kingdom like a child. And he gets these kids, they're all orphans. And in reality, we're all orphans. And he gets them together and they try to find out who is sending these messages and to expose the lies. And as I thought, the big emergency, our world is in a huge emergency, isn't it? There's a, where truth is under attack. And, and we need a society. We don't, we don't need a society. We already have a society that is going to counteract and take care of this lying. It's called the church. We need the church. It's the world's only Hope and then not just any kind of church. We see in this passage of scripture the kind of church that can impact a society that's under emergency, that's in trouble. Let's look at this. In verse 19, I'm just gonna go through and I make observations and, and ask ourselves some questions here. Okay, first one. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out, this is verse 19, when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among 
Jews. I'm going to stop there. First thing I see here is this is a church that's courageous, full of courageous Christians. Super courageous. Did you see this? They were scattered by what? Persecution. Scattered. Scattered isn't, oh, here, I'm going to, the camera. I like to walk around, but I'll stay right here. Scattering is like, oh, Sheila, you sit there, and oh, Tom, you sit here, and Minnie Merle, you sit over there. <laughs> Scatter is like, I don't know if you do this, but when I see an ant's nest, something within me says, poke it with a stick. <laughs> Do I hear an amen? Bring it on. And so you poke that anthill. And what happens? The ant scatter. And that's exactly what's happening to these believers. They're in Jerusalem. They're not doing what Jesus said. Go and make disciples. He said, go make disciples of all nations. Then he says, uh, go in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and others. What do they do? They stay in Jerusalem and have a holy huddle. Hmm. So Jesus allows this scattering. He pokes them with the stick. And they scatter like ants. But look at what they did. They scattered because of this persecution. And, and what did they do? They hid. Is that what your Bible says? They traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, and they went camping. They went and saw the sights. No. Spreading the word. It was dangerous. It was dangerous to be a believer then. They had left Jerusalem because of their faith. If anyone had a great excuse not to speak up again, it's these people. I, hey, I've already, I've already taken, uh, they've already taken a pound of flesh out of me. I'm not saying a word again. I got toasted. I love, when they were scattered, they were refugees. Have you ever seen refugees? I have. I have seen them in Africa. I have seen them in Asia. Refugees have nothing. Take everything you have. Now calculate all the stuff you have. Cars, garage, furniture, all that. And imagine you have to pack everything into one backpack and flee in the middle of the night and leave everything behind. Imagine that. I have a friend, Goran, in Europe. He left. He had in the middle. He was an engineer. He had a beautiful house, cars, everything. 
but in Sarajevo, but when things started going sideways in Sarajevo and he was the wrong kind of ethnicity, in the middle of the night, the only thing he took was some papers and some change of clothes. He left a beautiful home. He left everything, our refugees. These people were refugees and it was dangerous being a Christian here and yet, spoke the word. They were courageous. People, how courageous are we? It is getting more dangerous to hold a biblical worldview in our culture in America today. Is this not true? If we hold to a biblical um, idea of marriage and sexuality, We are bigoted, we're prejudiced, we are put down. If we say all lives matter, including black, it doesn't matter who, every life matters, we are bigoted and racist. And yet scripture says he came for all the world. He doesn't segment everybody out in little compartments were in this thing together. To be a Christian, to actually name the name of Jesus is dangerous. It's getting that way. How courageous are we going to be? This church was courageous. It was full of courageous Christians. Are you courageous? When the time comes, will you speak up? I'm asking me that question. They were persecuted. Did you know Christianity is the most um, persecuted religion group worldwide today? 180 believers, our brothers and sisters, are killed every month because of their faith in the world today. And yet you never hear about that. This is according to Open Doors. They didn't hide. They didn't pull on their whiny pants and say, oh, how bad it is. You know what? I'm good. I might get in trouble for this. If I do, I'm Pastor James. (laughs) He's watching. But when I turn on Christian radio, I know it's Christian radio because there's a lot of whining going on. (laughs) This means amen. If you don't know what, I'm, I'm looking for an amen there. Isn't this not true? I mean, I don't even, the music's a little different, but I hear people talking, oh, this is a Christian radio. Someone's strapped on their whiny pants. These people didn't strap on their whiny pants. They didn't go and hiding. They didn't get preoccupied with, oh, I got to set up a new house. I got to set up, you know, my bank accounts again. I've got to set all this. No, it specifically says they spread the word. They didn't say, boy, I'm going to take us." I'm going to take a rest from this Christian stuff. Anyone deserves to sit, soak, and sour. It's these Christians 
But they didn't. They were courageous. Courageous. I want to be courageous when the time comes. Don't you? I don't want to squeak up. I want to speak up. I don't want to be a pretend courageous. Sheila says, I look like the cowardly lion. <laughs> Fake courage. Do I look like him? Amen. That, amen, amen. But Alfred, and that and Alfred E. Newman, way off track here. But when God calls us, he enables us. And he's called us to be courageous together. Okay? And what were they doing? They were telling the message. They were spreading the word. They were focused. See, what's happening, the second thing I see, they were focused. What's happening today is we are getting so caught up in causes, we're forgetting Christ. And I believe we're getting caught up in causes, hoping the world will somehow find us palatable or acceptable because we're willing to chime in our voice with their voice to cry against some social ill. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't cry out against abortion or racism or anything like that. But our number one cause, our number one priority is the gospel. It is. If you make two priorities, one priority is going to take precedence over the other. You can't serve two masters. I can't have two wives. You can't have two priorities. Do you understand what I'm saying? The one that's going to get the most uh, emphasis and attention is the one that's the easiest to do. And it's much easier to go and say, you know, racism is bad than telling someone you need Jesus. Are you with me? Does this make sense to you all? It is really hard to go and tell someone that they need Jesus. I've been working with my neighbors for like six, seven years. And finally, I'm warming them up and we're starting to talk about Jesus. My neighbors, it's taken seven years. But, you know, in a day we can talk about racism or anything other, uh, something like that, some cause. The church is about the gospel. The church is about the gospel. Say that with me. The church is about the gospel. It's about making disciples. And when some life is changed, your life is changed. Your life is changed. Your life is changed. And it's infused with the Holy Spirit. And we come together. Then we become a force for change in our culture. When we try to make cause, when we try to make America great again, we've missed out. We're not called to make America great. We're called to reach lost people. Does this make sense to you guys? We're just off. The church is off just a little bit. And it sounds so good. But if you're off one degree, I think 
by the time you're 100 out, yards out, you're like five yards off or something. You continue off. The church is about, they spread the word. They were courageous Christians. They were focused Christians. No distractions. Everything we do, we do to try to reach someone for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, just think, what would this place be like filled with a bunch of brand new baby Christians? Wouldn't that be nice? That's what it's supposed to be. Do we have courage? Are we focused? Or do we, the littlest opposition, back us down? Okay, let's go on. I notice here, did you notice they spread the word only among the Jews? Did you notice that? So, some of them. Great. Not everybody's going to get this. Some churches, some people don't see the big picture. Some of them have the big picture. Here's the big picture. The world. Go and make disciples of all nations. I used to, when I was pastoring, I used to think, okay, the parish is my world. And so I put all my effort into my little church up in Colville. And it grew significantly. And that was great back in the day. But when God put me into Lay Hill, which is outside of D.C., and that church grew to 40 plus nationalities, all of a sudden my eyes were open to the fact that God's heart is for all people, not just middle, white, middle class Americans. And so from that time on, God has put the world in my heart because that's in God's heart. And this first, these believers, they left Jerusalem, which were just a bunch of Jews getting together, and they just transplanted expatriates, expats, all getting together, and we're just going to talk to Jews. But there were some that realized, oh boy, this is not it. There's a big picture here. And they started, did you notice, some of them, however, men of Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks. Oh, no, we don't do that here. You know what? One of the churches, I'm not going to mention which one, because we're online. <laughs> Remember, I'm Pastor James. One church, we started a basketball league because the church had a gymnasium. And I thought, oh, outreach. So we started a basketball league in this gym. And we had like 100 little kids the first year. And their parents, oh, smokers and drinkers and rough tattooed people and all kinds of and and my board was upset you know why 
because we were, they were tracking in on our new carpet. All these people from the community. You'd be surprised how many churches are so ingrown, they don't even know who their neighbors are. It's not done that way. And yet here they spoke to the Greeks. That was scandalous. And yet they did it. These people were great commission. They were, they were crazy for Christ, Christians. They just said, I'm going to talk to anybody and everybody. I'm going to welcome anybody and everybody in. They were that kind of church. You, if, you, if you stunk, if you're homeless, you're welcome here. Can that be said of our church? Here. Do we see the big picture? That God has a heart for the whole world. You can tell by your uh, budget. I met the money lady today. Where's the money lady? Where are you? Is that you right there? She came up and she goes, I'm the money. No, you didn't say that. <laughs> the treasurer. When I first went to Colville, they gave like a thousand to missions. And I could tell that they did not have God's heart for anybody and everybody. And by the time we left, I think the last couple of years, it was between sixty dollars and $80,000 we gave away. And it's not surprising we never had a problem with money. The more we gave, because God blesses obedience. Say that with me. God blesses obedience. So this was a church full of just crazy Christians that even, they, I'm not saying color way outside of scripture. I'm saying just whatever it takes, whatever it takes to reach the lost people, just do it. Anybody that's different than us. The Greeks were different than the Jews. Who's different? To, my, my neighbor, my backyard dude. Yeah, I'm going to say it. My backyard dude, he's an engineer. Let me tell you, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but his brain is like that, and I'm just a practical guy that loves God and practical stuff. I'm preaching to you. His mind thinks like C.S. Lewis and stuff like that, and he has the, a really different lifestyle. We had a backyard thing where we sat around um, our fireplace, our fire pit, and we're sitting there, we're talking, and all of a sudden, he comes into the backyard with a beer. Well, I don't drink, and I, I don't agree with drinking, because it's at least, uh, we've seen all kinds of abuse that it leads to, but he brought a beer into my backyard. I'm not gonna say anything, he's not a believer. Why expect you know high standards of someone who's not a believer? So he's sitting there, and he's talking about his travels and stuff, and how he likes to visit women of the night. Awesome. 
I have nothing in common with this dude. Do you know what I'm saying? Intellectually, morally, in any way. But there's one thing that's true about him. He doesn't know Jesus. And my Bible says that those who don't know Jesus are going to be forever separated. I hate it when churches mock Inslee or Pelosi or any. Do they not realize that they are going, if they were to die today, they would go into a Christless eternity? Why would you mock anyone? They're just acting like the world. Believers have a heart for everybody. The whole world. People that are different. Does this make sense to you guys? Oh God, give us a compassion for the lost. Even if they're the most vilest sinner. People we totally disagree with, we should be showing them the greatest of love. Isn't that what Jesus did? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So here we have this last thing. I'm sorry, I'm just, I haven't preached in a while, so you're getting the full meal deal. Last thing, I'll make it real quick. Did you notice they got Cyprus, um, that some among them, however, men of Cyprus and Cyrene. These are two different cultural people, totally different. But they have one purpose. That's, you know what that's called? Collaboration. These people who knew how to collaborate. They didn't just cooperate. You know what the difference between cooperation and collaboration is? Let me give you a word picture. Okay. You're at home, it's Saturday, and you're cleaning your house. You got all your little kids. Remember having little kids around. Just think back to your own kids, or maybe your grandkids. And you tell so-and-so, your, your kid, Katie, go and clean your room. So they clean their room. And then they're out and they're playing. They, they clean the room so that they could have free time. That's cooperation. Collaboration is if your kids come up to you and say, okay, it's Saturday, mom and dad. This house is a mess. We gotta figure out how to clean this sucker up <laughs> so that we can go as a family to the beach. So I think if we kinda, you know, figure out who's, I'll take the toilets because I'm short and I just can reach right into the toilet. I'll clean those toilets and everything below Counter on down, I've got because I'm the shortest in the family. And dad, you do this, mom, you do, that's collaboration. Working together for a common good. It's not individual, it's the common good. And the common, see we got churches full of people who cooperate, but won't collaborate. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, oh, you know, you, do you, when do you guys have your annual meeting? Oh, I guess I'll be the head usher. I guess I'll do it. That's cooperating. Sitting around, 
sitting as a church saying, how can we reach more lost people? And everybody bringing their ideas and I'll jump into this, I'll do that, I'll do this. That's collaboration. That's what this church was like. Everybody from the smallest to the oldest, the youngest, they all said, we're in this thing together to get this one thing done. Go and make disciples. So are you a cooperating Christian or a collaborating Christian? I got a quote here. I'm going to end with this quote. This is from Spurgeon. Nobody can do as much damage to the church of God as the man who is within its walls, but not within its life. We got a boatload of people that are just logging time in a pew that are in the walls, but not in the life. I'm challenging you people, the time, the day is coming when no man can work. The church has got to be about its business and we need everybody. I know I'm 62 years old and I'm beginning to feel marginalized because of my age. Some of you older people, you understand what I'm saying. Everything is geared to the younger people but let me tell you, the younger people do not have the wisdom that we've gained through hard labor and through, we blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me. Blessed be your name when everything goes sideways. I'm still going to bless. We need older saints that know how to praise God even in, through every chapter of their life whether it's cancer, whether it's loss of a loved one, whether and they're still walking faithfully, but we need to be more than just being encouraging. We need to jump into the fray. Caleb was 80 years old and still in the fight. You still have a purpose. And you young people, we need you, we need your energy. We need all of us together there's no reason why this church can't be packed out time and time again with lost. If every one of you took as your family, we are going to reach lost people. It's going to take courage. It's going to take a little bit of craziness. It's going to take a whole lot of focus because there's a boatload of things to distract us, entertain ourselves. Are you going to be the church? This was just part one. Father, oh, thank you for the church. There is no other entity in this world that has access to the kind of power that can transform lives. We have the truth there's an emergency going on right now where the truth is under attack and causing panic, yet we sit here with the truth. His name is Jesus. Lord, forgive us 
for sitting back and being silent. Forgive us for being content with our little circle of believers. Forgive us for being distracted by so many things that don't really matter. They don't matter at all. God, make us courageous. Show us how to collaborate. Make us crazy for you to go outside of uh, the lines that we're used to and, and reach across and, and relate to people that are so unlike us. The Greeks are all around us, dying, and we're sitting here with the truth. Lord, I pray for First Church. May they be like Antioch, full of courageous Christians that know how to collaborate. In Jesus' name, amen.